Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. It is Thursday, December 9th on a rainy Thursday morning uh, here in Los Angeles. Is it raining where you are, Sue? It is not, but I'm sure it'll get here. Yeah, I know. Everybody's going to be on Stormwatch. <laughs> Stormwatch. <laughs> All the TV news people. Stormwatch. Well, We've they get so excited, you. you know, because the weather here is is pretty much the same most of the time of the yeah, year. It so. really is like the movie L.A. Story. It is like Steve Martin in L.A. Story. Right. Sunny it's, and 70. You could re uh, <laughs> pre-record the uh, weather forecasts in advance for weeks. I know it's like uh, they, they become like what was that movie? Was it Twister? Where they become like people here become like the weather storm people chasers. become like storm chasers. Yeah. Oh, there's a little bit of wind. Oh, a, a tree. People was- love the weather. Do you think? And I always notice that older people love the weather the most. Like younger people are like, yeah, the weather. But older people can talk for hours about the weather. And like my grandmother. God rest her soul, uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Generally, when I called her, probably the first 15 minutes of the call was always about the weather. Like, oh, it's it's uh, sunny here. Oh, it's cloudy. It's been, we had some snow. And then how's your weather? It's like, I didn't don't really even pay that much attention to the weather. But old people love the weather. Well, they love the weather. They love to talk about the time, especially the time difference. The That's time difference. The time difference is, is a really big thing. What time, what is, time it is it there? What time is it there? Yeah. You know, and and you know, I was in San Francisco the other day and I called Tom and he actually said to me, what time is it there? And I, <laughs> as a joke, of course. And I said, I said, um, you know, it's 1028. And he says, oh, it's it's 1029 here. And I said, oh, so I guess there's there's a minute time difference from, <laughs> from L.A. to San difference. Francisco. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What were you doing in San Francisco? I went to see my sister. Oh, yeah, that's right. You've got now. Don't you have a sister and a brother up there or just a sister? I have one sister there and I have two brothers in Oregon and a brother in New York. Okay. And so, uh, and and uh, you stayed up all night is what you were saying just a minute ago. You oh, were well, catching up. Two- Two of her friends that she grew up with. So she's three years older than me. So I was in elementary school when I met them. Yeah. And I haven't seen them in a long time. One came in from Florida. One came in from New York. And we want the one from Florida. We shared uh, a bed. Oh, wow. And, um, and um, we were up. We were like teenagers. We stayed up to like five o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's fun. Three o'clock in the morning, just talking and laughing and, and just just catching up and kind of getting to know each other as adults. You yeah. Know? It was really fun. You know, I don't know if I don't think there's anybody that I would be interested in staying up until 3 a.m. to talk to. Like, I don't think I've got enough information to go until 3 a.m. Like, I, I I don't think I've got that sort of conversational level in me for like the 5 a.m. Let's talk all night thing. That's tough. Well, also, you know, we have such a history. Yeah, that you makes know, sense. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. she got married when she was, I don't know. 18 or 19 and she married a guy who lived around the corner from me yes and and so i grew up with his family and my parents were friends with his parents so you know we have so many layers of things to talk about that's cool that's cool yeah that's cool very cool yeah so i'm trying to make it to vacation oh it's such a great 
So you're going to Costa Rica. Going to Costa Rica, going to mm. a place called Rio Perdido, which we went to before, where we went zip lining and uh, we did whitewater tubing and there's a thermal river and there's great food and the pools are filled with thermal water because you're right by a vacation, uh, by a, a volcano. It's a fantastic spot. But I've got, as we speak, two more shows to go. Two more shows. So you're you're like a you're like a kid in public school who can't wait for summer vacation. Yes, that's exactly right. Summer vacation is uh, is coming. Uh, but first, actually, our guest is a Tony nominated actor. He starred opposite the late great Robin Williams in the Broadway production of Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. These days, he is a regular on our favorite show around here, HBO Succession. Arian Moyed joins us. Arian, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Really uh, excited to be talking a little succession shop. Succession. So we're doing this interview on Thursday, December the 9th. (laughs) The season three finale of Succession is coming up on Sunday night. And I'll just say, you know, this happened to me one time before when uh, on the West Wing, uh, there was a big election between Alan Alda's character and Jimmy Smith's character. Right, right, right. And uh, Richard Schiff is a friend of mine, great actor. Mm. Um, and I said to Richard, um, who, who won the election? Who, who won the election? And uh, he said, do you really want to know? And I said, you know what? Actually, no. So I don't want to know uh, what happens with uh, with Kendall, but it has set the internet aflame, right? It's gone crazy. I mean, it's insane. I mean, that's the magic of Jesse and what he can do. I mean, he can immediately make you fall in love and care about these horrendous human beings. And now all of a sudden, everyone is wondering what the hell is going to happen next. I mean, no one has. And I can tell because even though I, I can tell that people are like wanting to know if what happens. And so it's very tricky how to talk it through also but um but that's the magic of jesse honestly and the performances i mean the that last episode the the performances are so oh it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy it's uh it's like a drug yeah. <laughs> it you know I I missed it because I was somewhere where I was staying somewhere where where the the people didn't have HBO and I'm like jonesing for it yeah. like a junkie I mean it's just crazy are you guys multiple viewers but do you watch an episode and you're like I should watch that right away oh again. always I watch them yeah. again yeah like yeah. I watched the Kendall in the pool one again because I wanted to see if I could figure out the clues that would lead me. Uh, to understand exactly. And there's not, I mean, there are lots of clues, but there are clues that I think go, go both ways. I just, you know, Kendall is, and, and you've done a lot of scenes with, uh, with Kendall yeah. on, or with uh, one Jeremy of his only Strong. friends on the show, really. Exactly. And Jeremy, I read an article in the New Yorker that talks about sort of his process, his, he's very much a, a method kind of guy what's that how does that compare to your style and what's that like to work with i mean jeremy is such a passionate amazing you know deeply caring about his work and uh and the character and kendall i mean it's his dedication to it is singular um 
Uh, I am not like that. Um, and I think it's amazing about the show is you have all these amazing actors from all these different backgrounds doing all these different techniques from all these different worldviews. And we come to the table and bring it, you know, bring what we can to the table. And and mixing and matching all of these like different recipes is part of the allure of the show. Um, and I think some of that, you know, is really kind of just, again, we believe in the text so much that like we can immediately kind of fall into those characters and whatever our processes may be. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting um, when a character uh, comes into the next episode and he looks a little bit different, you know, and, mm. you know, so he cut, he cut all his hair off. Right. So it's like, <laughs> all right, is this a clue? Is this an indication? Did he, you know, is there something else going on with him aside from, you know, the, the magnitude <laughs> of, of, yeah. I mean, yeah. just because he, you know, there he, he's, he's unhinged. And is it, you know, and then I wonder, well, they working on another project and <laughs> is, his hair, is his haircut for that? Um, but you just, you always look for these clues, you know, in every little thing. Yeah. And, you know, you just brought up the haircut thing and I kind of like, I'm, you know, I kind of know a little bit about that, but the reality is what's amazing about this show is your truth and your truth and my truth are different truths. And so mm -hmm. we're putting our DNA onto every aspect of their lives and reading into it because Jesse doesn't have time for the over explaining of these backstories. You know, I always go back to Tom Wamsgans in season one comes into an episode with a black eye. And it's like, he's got a black eye. So what is happening? <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and then we don't know. I mean, we have no idea. Um, and I think that's really the magic of what's happening. Um, and, 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 and we are all have our own DNAs and we all come to the thing and, and, and all the writers and Jesse's genius and, and, and the directions led by Mark Mylod. Like we are all bringing in what we have and just letting it be. Um, and sometimes the truth is what you're seeing, which is, which is what makes it more fascinating and wants you to dissect it more because it feels like it means something really important. And some of it does and some of it, you know, it's, that's the beauty of the show. I mean, so you mentioned Jesse Armstrong, who's the, uh, the writer and producer and the, this is, this is his baby. His baby. This is his show. Mm. Um, and yet I've also, and, and you talk about the, the scripts. I've also read that there's a fair amount of ad libbing in in the show. How does how does that balance? You've got you've got great text, and then you've also got a, an unbelievable cast, which is able to sort of take a moment and and uh, and savor it a little bit. You know, a lot of it is out of you know everything about the show in front of the camera and behind the camera is really revolutionary. And I'll just talk about the behind the camera to answer your question, yeah. in my opinion, is that first of all, we shoot on film, three cameras on old school film. So mm. that's already a different energy. Um, we oftentimes in big, huge group scenes, the cameras are so far away that we don't even know where they are or if they're you know, picking up my dialogue or, and then, you know, in a big scene, let's say it's like six or seven or eight pages long, which is really kind of on the long end for a television show, especially a television show shooting on three cameras on film. But we would, and let's say it's like 10 pages, let's say even, and it would be in one set place. Like, um, you know, in season two, um, 
it would be that Lake Placid episode where we're, you know, the Argestes. Yes. And there's a huge scene and there's a comic up there and there's like seven tables and I'm walking through. And in, in a regular TV show, all that is broken up into pieces. But we don't shoot like that. We shoot all of that at the same time. Hmm. And we're wow. now all of a sudden you're like, improvising because all of a sudden because it's a 10 minute scene now shooting on three cameras on you know that's not going to get a cut anytime soon you have to improvise with whatever is around you and just be so you don't really know if the camera's on you or i will tell you specifically on that episode i had one kind of like banger of a line at the end you know which was it's funny because it's true yeah you know what i mean and there was never a moment where the camera came close to me and I was like, at one point, I was like, I don't think this is going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but then they were like, we love that line. And then they kept on like, at, I think they kept on coming up to me and be like, trying to give me other lines and alternatives and stuff like that. It you sounds know, a little bit like the, you know, when I, I read about the movie Hurt Locker, Catherine Bigelow's movie, mm. that um, they she had cameras sort of all over the place. Mm. And so mm. you couldn't play to a camera. It sounds like, that's sort of what's going on here. You can't really play to a particular camera or a particular shot. It doesn't really, you can't even think about it in that way anymore because there is no, I mean, you know, in the last episode, we're watching those amazing, gorgeous scenes between Jeremy and Brian and, and and Shiv and Caroline. I mean, Sarah and, um, uh, Oh my gosh. I forgot her name for a second, but Caroline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sarah Snook. And um, I, I forgot the amazing, you know, I'm going to get killed for this. Um, you can edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Yeah. But I'll just go back and say um, in that last episode, like um, having that amazing scene between Jeremy and Brian and, 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 and having Shiv and Caroline, like those are some camera work that are like obviously over the shoulder, but they're not like your typical over the shoulder shots because they're just be- they're just watching those two people behave and capturing the ba- the camera the camera's job is like a documentary in that way to capture that behavior um and so I, you know, it's it's a real remarkable thing. It's like it feels Robert Altman y to me. Hmm. It feels um it feels, you know, Cassavetti's. I mean, it just got it's got a vibe. And and I say that because I, I feel that it should be known that the camera teams um and all the DPs and all of the they're really doing like remarkable grade A work. Um uh, that's really not s- utilized in our industry as much anymore. Um, yeah, and it really is the kind of show where you want to see people's reactions as much as you want to see them on camera saying their lines. Yeah, because right. what is being said sometimes is just so outrageous. Yeah, that it's, it's like, like, oh well, I, I got to see how everybody's reacting to this. You know? The other thing is, it's a a show about people talking. I mean, if you were to boil it down, it's about conversation, right, between these characters. But there's always sort of a, the camera moves a little bit. They're like those sudden little jump moves that the camera makes, which gives the the show this sort of kinetic uh, energy, despite the fact that it's people talking. Yeah. It's also, it's also kind of what you guys are both saying. It's also that kind of like style has been known to be like a comedic style, like the office or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? And so now all of a sudden your vocabulary is like, 
wait, but that's a comedic style of shooting, but it's also the best way to get all these performances on camera. So like we're mixing and matching. And so you're getting all these rich kind of experiences um, happening all the time. And it's, and it's, and it's depth. And, and, and then, you know, it happens in every episode, but that's part of the genius. Like all of a sudden we have two, you know, we're doing a scene and all of a sudden our scene is done and then they're behind us. They could just jump right through and then we can shoot the entire scene in, 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 in a one shot where it would have been broken up in other places. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Mike Nichols fan and, and he, mm. he had a propensity to keep the camera on one character while other people were talking. I don't know if, and I've brought it up before on the show and it's probably one of my most favorite moments in film when he was doing carnal knowledge, mm. uh, Candace Bergen is just sitting at the bar and Art Garfunkel and Jack Nicholson are, are telling a story to her and the camera never leaves her the yeah, entire I know exactly story. I know exactly what moment you're talking about. And that's a, that's a, that moment to me is a testament to the belief of her. And I think that is kind of what's happening in succession. They believe in the writing and the actors, and then they are just letting things live. Um, and the truth kind of has to set you, set you free on this and, and, and some jokes, you know what I mean? There's, I will say that, you know, um, you know, the belligerent zucchini, you know, that line of like, he's a fucking yeah. belligerent zucchini, uh, angriest, uh, whatever those lines were, angriest zucchini I know or something. Um, those, there was like so many, they were coming at me. They're like, oh, he's the stress fucking. They kept on saying across the room, like stress the word fucking. Like, what? Do you want to stress what? And then I, I remember one time, I didn't remember what the all was. They're like, stress the word fucking. I said, don't say fucking. They're like, no, say fucking louder. Got it. So the eternal, the eternal question, here are these people behaving badly. Mm. Um, and you mentioned jesse in, in the script why why do you think we love these characters why do why do we love like why do we love rome why do we love shiv she's she's a positively awful person i mean what what is why do we get it this way i i, I think it's because it's a real comment i think it's deep actually because I've been thinking about this a lot too. Like, obviously. Also, remember in season one when we were shooting this, you know, there was a big question mark of like, is anyone going to get any of what? Yeah, we're right, doing? right. Like, like there, we are not winking at all. <laughs> like, we are being this. Um, I think a lot of it is because we are living in a society of class. That's a big thing that's happening mm. with us. The billionaire, gajillionaire class is like out of control. Um, the Elon Musks of the world are feeling more and more like aliens in a weird way. You know, um, they, they're literally getting on air, you know, whatever space shuttles or whatever, and going to the moon by them or whatever they're doing. I don't even know what they're doing over there. So the, to get into a world of view of that, that's really like very honest and very clear. And it makes, and it feels you know, like how they behave, I think makes us understand that world a little bit better and makes us kind of want to like, you know, one of the compliments we always get is like, I, I will, I, I would never want to be that rich. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, why the fuck would you want to be that rich? And so I think a little bit of this, that I think we are also love train wrecks and these, yes. these, these the, the end and, and, 
what's so weird and honest about it is that these gajillionaires that have everything do not do not know how to be humans. Yeah. And I yeah. would like to watch that train wreck. Um, I, you know, I don't watch reality TV, but you know, people watch reality TV and some of those people seem rough. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there is part of that. I mean, we watch, I, and I, I'm not somebody who does my partner watches a lot of the, you know, real housewives yeah. of wherever they're from. And, uh, I know there are people behaving badly and you know, they, my partner always says, yeah, we do. We watch this stuff to feel better about ourselves. And I think, yeah, that plus the, the class issue, like it's nice to know or reassuring to know that although they have a bajillion dollars um, it's, it's probably not as much fun as we think it is. I think that's one of the draws of the show. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, that birthday party is insane. It's 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 also, you know, I love that Jesse brought it out. It's like, I kind of said I didn't want this to be an asshole's birthday party, and it feels like I'm at an asshole's birthday party. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, or when they're like, everyone's here. Well, except your kids, your wife, and your mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not something I want to be involved with. And I think, um, and I think that stuff feels very honest to people. And I think, you know, it's a train wreck that they don't want to be involved with, which, you know, it's also a comment on how the, the corruption of power. I mean, all these people just want this fucking disgusting power, like to the top. And I want to win this. And I want, it's like, it's like, you know, when you see that at that level, it's like, it's, it's vile. It's, you know, when you just want them to crash they're a victim of their you know their circumstance i mean you know well it's like a sense of entitlement um that is like out of the stratosphere you know yeah. where i can do and be anything um and and i and i feel like they they lose touch with the real world in so many ways mm. you know because mm. They, they live in this bubble of just being able to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, you know, yeah. we're rich and fuck you, you yeah. know, everybody. Right. And there was that scene uh, where you're you're all in with Sandy uh, Furness. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, you want to take away their private jets. Mm. And they talk about, I don't want to, I, I don't think we should give in on the PJs. They actually have a nickname for private jets. It's PJs. PJs. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it, there's such a level of unimaginable wealth that is there that it's really, really hard to, um, it's hard to look at it and think it would be cool to be that rich. It, mm. it, you just, you just don't think like that. Mm -mm. So I've got, I've got a couple of questions and this is for you. I don't want any inside information necessarily, but I just mm -hmm. want your sort of gut reaction to a couple of things. Mm -hmm. um, Shiv and Tom had that super twisted uh, sex scene uh, in this last episode <laughs> where yeah. you, you, I, you know, I don't love you is basically yeah. <laughs> was the, was the yeah. hook of it. Do you think Shiv does love Tom? Yeah, you do. Yeah. I don't think that I think I think when you ask that question, I kind of I'm kind of maybe it's eluding me that you're saying that maybe he she hates him. And I don't think that's the case. And I do think that she loves him. And I do think that she is capable of loving him. I think that she thinks I don't know. I think she has 
also this power thing. I think she's really interested in that top job and everyone will get out of the way. And, and I think it's her understanding of love is probably different than the three of ours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, mean, I was, let me rephrase that. It definitely is. <laughs> there was, there's a line in there that I will use and reuse forever, which is uh, the, what happens in sex Vegas thing, which is just like, so like, yeah, I completely get that. And I intend to use that line the next time, <laughs> the next time I'm in that spot. <laughs> yeah. I but mean, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that I just think that, you know, that her relationship with Tom and I mean, everybody's mind fucking everybody, but she is such a mind fuck with him yeah. because he obviously needs her much more than she I, I think much more than she needs him, um, you know, work wise. I mean, they split up, you know, Tom, Tom goes away, you know, mm. I, he, he doesn't stay. So um, and she has that over him. And I'm sure in her you know, in a perverse way, you know, she needs him as well because he's kind of like a, he just feels like a puppet, kind of like how Greg is with Tom, you know, yeah, there's a kind of puppety kind of relationship. Yeah. I, that's what I meant by like class or caste system. She needs him to, to make sure that she is, she is above someone at all times. And the confidence that she gets by pushing him down and making him feel small is what she needs to like bolster it up. Um, Kieran, in a way, needs it with Jerry, and and, the, and that and that ended up with that kind of like yeah. the dick pics. And 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 Kendall is looking at it with everyone, and it's all of it's a misfire. You know the Naomi thing. I think it's like when she gave the like watch. I was just kind of like, oh my god! I remember reading that. I was like, that's crazy that she gave a watch. Like, what does he need a watch for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But then she, but he is also asking Rava to be like, isn't this cool? Isn't this fun? Aren't you proud of me? And she's kind of like, I'm not doing this anymore with you. Yeah, yeah. I have been your punching bag. So I don't know. Like in a way, she does need him, and um, and I think that she is. She thinks that the relationship is part of the game. And I think he wants love. Okay. Do you think Willa loves Connor? Because, you know, he proposed. And then at one point he said, you know, the longer you're deciding, the less romantic it gets. <laughs> um, she's, she hasn't accepted the marriage. Do you think there's love there? I think that's less love. I, I agree. By the way, uh, Justine Loop was on the show and she said, no, I think there is a certain kind of love. And all I could think was, no, she's a playwright who sees an opportunity to fund whatever her next project is. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's how I kind of view it. I mean, in the last episode, she's kind of like, we can have our old. I mean, I can have my old place back and we can just kind of do that, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Like we can go back to that kind of like kinky stuff if you want. And she's and he's kind of like, no, you know, he's running for I mean, he's the next president of the united states here come on guys she needs he needs she, he, he needs willa <laughs> do you think in that weird succession world he could actually i mean he's he's pulling at less than one percent uh but but close to one percent yeah in that yeah, weird yeah. world do you think he could make a run at a credible run at president given that his family could get behind him in that way i mean do I think so? I mean, I think it's credible in the fact that I could see a Connor Roy going up on a dais with a bunch of other candidates. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I think that's realistic. Um, 
what the world of 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 people voting and who they vote for i will never ever judge again so uh <laughs> yeah because yeah. who knows exactly uh, i'm i'm not doing that game anymore so <laughs> you know so you were so it, your character was friends with kendall since high school mm. correct yeah um so as an actor i mean do you <clears throat> think back on what it was like to be in his life for so long and and his friend and be, having that friendship and what the family was like, like my curiosity is like, I want to see this family when they were younger. I would love, love to see that. Yes. That'd be fun actually. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's weird. I've also, I've met the first time I met Jeremy, I was 19. Hmm. So I also, there's a little bit of that too. Um, at the Steppenwolf summer theater program, um, we have a bunch of mutual friends and, um, yeah, I think, I do think about that a lot. I think about that because I'm a parent myself and I know my kids go to other people's houses and basically um, it, living in New York, all there's a huge socioeconomic, you know, variance of, you know, and so um, knowing that my girls kind of go into someone's home and are witnessing that. Um, I thought to myself, listen, he probably, the Husseinis are probably rich, but probably not as rich as the Roy's. And he probably went up there and I think they probably partied in this place. And I think they got away with murder. And I think that they got away with all the things that the rich can get away with. Um, and, and of course I've thought about like all the things all the time. I've seen his dad scream at him before. Yeah. I've seen Shiv and Kieran, you know, fist fight or whatever, you know, um, not, I don't know. I don't have like those specifics in my mind as I'm like, yeah, right. But, but, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. but I do imagine that I've seen on those things. And, and um, I think that that kind of like really shapes a lot of what this conversation is. I also think that the two of them probably talked about running the world. I mean, yeah, as you do when you're yeah. 18, 17 and you're like, I'm going to fucking run this world. And they're like, we maybe actually can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we can actually do it, and so that's why I think there's real heartbreak when the the when the bear hug letter doesn't work after we've done all that work because I think we, we would have been in history books. So who is uh, who's meaner, who's tougher? I love it. Shiv or Roman? Um, I think Roman. Really, I think exactly the opposite. Why do you think, think it's Roman? For the birthday party and surveilling the, his kids. Hmm. The surveilling of the kids was like, yeah, it's off limits for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it really bothered me. It bothered, it bothered me a little bit slightly more than the push did, though that bothered me too. It was just like gross. I just didn't think it was necessary for Roman to do that. <laughs> he got his point across. Like he's, he was winning. And so, but really... The surveilling of the kid. I don't know. I just was like, the fuck? That's, that's weird. But that's I mean, Shiv is, just a, Shiv is just a killer. Shiv yeah, is a she killer. She is a killer. That's why I hesitated. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's a killer. And honestly, in this last episode, she went up to her godmother and was yes. like, I have you. You're going to be fucked so hard. And I'm going to climb this ladder so quickly. It's like, you guys, that's your godmother, man. Like, <laughs> She's not good. At, she's like lawyer, lawyer easing you right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what is it like being in business with them as Stewie? I mean, you know, no, nobody could be trusted. You mm. know, it's like, you know, you were kind of palling around with Kendall. Now you're, you know, 
you know, you're having meetings with, with the dad. Um, By the way, who's completely out of it, right? I mean, or yeah. is he actually calling the shots? Is Sandy out of it in his wheelchair or is he actually whispering something to Hope Davis? I mean, one of those amazing things. I mean, I definitely have a thought on that, but I don't want to say it because it might, you know, put someone in some sort of thing. I don't, we don't, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. The answer to your question is, I don't think there is evidence for. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what I mean by that? Like, I don't think there's any evidence to say one way or the other. Um, um, especially the way that hope was kind of like perform, you know, like, performing it. it's like i'm just doing what i'm just doing what you guys do like, right I'm just listening to my dad just like you guys are listening to your dad um what's it like to be business with them you know when you're at that level i think really i think stewie and i think he's why, why i think he's kind of refreshing is i don't think he gives a fuck about any of these personal problems at all mm-hmm. i think he's been fucked over from the bear hug letter he's never going to trust that you know, I think not never, but I think he's like been bruised by that. And I think, um, but I also think he's willing to put all that aside if the top dollar wins. I think he right. said his truth from the beginning. I am spiritually and emotionally and morally behind whoever wins. Like, I, uh, like all of this drama doesn't matter. He doesn't care. At all. He don't give a fuck. He doesn't yeah. care at all. Yeah. He doesn't care at all. Hey, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you know, Sue, what were you going to say? No, no, finish your thought and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back. I was just going to say in the, in the last episode, you know, it seemed like Sandy with an eye was a little like, this is a big mistake going after Gojo like this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, if you want to fucking get rid of Logan's like, if you want to get rid of it, we'll get rid of it. But, you know, say vote it down. And I, and my own Stewie's like, well, we didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> because he also realizes like this could be good. This yeah. could be a real good fucking thing. And there's another piece of tension that I love that they kept in with Sandy and Stewie in episode five, I guess, or six, like that shareholders meeting, which I love that episode. Um, oh, that's a great meeting. That's a great yeah, one show. of my favorite of the season of the season for sure. Um, that episode where, where he's kind of like, they leave and Stewie's like, what the fuck was that to Sandy? It's like, what the fuck is going on? Like he even has, they've been left in this little bit of improv, which is very light, but he's like, he's like, you want to go back and ask him to get back in there, go back in there and ask. <laughs> Cause you know, he's doing that like whole like pantomime thing with Sandy with the, with an eye. Anyway, I think for him, he will always go after the top dollar. And I think people like that exist. And I think people like that win. Because so, you, wait, I was just going to say, you had a line in the last episode and I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit where you said you felt like you were taking a leak in the Guggenheim. <laughs> yes, it's like taking the shit in the Guggenheim. <laughs> He's like literally watching us and it's like, I got to fucking take a shit in the Guggenheim, I guess. <laughs> it's like when you when you get these scripts, I mean, are you like a little kid, like in a candy oh, yeah. store? It's like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. You ever read a line and like, I can't fucking believe that they wrote this. The, the episode where, and this is one I, 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 (laughs) this is so true, but in the episode where with the Sandy, old Sandy and, and Sandy with an eye were there and they come back into the room. Like I was watching, I was right above um, um, hope and Larry, like, like whispering in each other's ears. And it, the whole scenario, all of a sudden I just started breaking. 
So like, <laughs> this is insane what I'm watching. <laughs> I have a close eye on Sandy and, and Sandy talking in what seems like incomprehensible, but she, she seems to understand it. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's like the scenarios that you're in are just... You know, there was one in, in, in and I, I, I'm, I'm known to break. I break often, which is awful, but it's true. But um, in, in that last episode as well, when I come in and they're like, we love, the Logan's like, how's your dad doing? Oh, he's doing fine. And they're like bullshit, like trying to like get to know you. And the next line is great. We're all over the fucking moon. What is this? Right. Yeah. Right. And one time I'm watching the two of them perform this like ridiculous lying, like, how's your dad doing? And I just broke and I just said it lying with a huge laugh, like, okay, we're all over the phone. So, like, <laughs> you just kind of like go with it instead of like breaking, you know, you just kind of go with it and see where it takes you, you know? So That's after, the- after all this, yeah. we're going to get the finale after all this, have they told you how long it's going to be until we get a season four? No. Oh, how long is it going to be till season four? Yeah, till season four. Um, unofficially, yes, but I, I don't think I should say anything. About yeah, don't that. say anything yeah. about that. Yeah. Is it going to be soonish? <laughs> I mean, soonish is is a very, very you know broad term. Broad yeah. term. So yeah. Yeah, sure. Soonish. Sure. <laughs> Soonish. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, listen, uh, I, the show is just is just so friggin' good, and uh, and I I feel like we uh, we actually learned an awful lot about sort of the process and stuff from from talking to you. So uh, we really appreciate you taking some uh, some time with us. Congratulations no on the Thank show. Thank you so much. I'm a small part of this big wheel, but like I am just honored to be involved with all these amazing artists, really. Oh, I feel like I learned a lot of inside stuff on uh, Succession with that one. Yeah. And, you know, with, with each actor that we interview, we learn something different. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cool. So we're making our bets. Um, right now, it is the Thursday before the season finale. This will air in a couple of weeks, but let's make our bets. Uh, let's go online. Um, I say Kendall dead. What do you say? I say brain damaged. <laughs> you say brain damage. <laughs> Did you read the New Yorker piece about Jeremy Strong who plays Kendall? I didn't. Oh God, you got to read it. Okay. So he's like super methody. Like well, he's, ex- he's intense as all hell. I extremely mean. methody. So he was in Trial of the Chicago Seven, the Aaron Sorkin yes. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played one of the guys that was on trial, and uh, during the the riot in the park um, that that led to their arrests. Um, he told Aaron Sorkin that he wanted to be sprayed with tear gas. So he knew exactly what it felt like and play it. Right. Wow. So he is like in it, man. He is in it. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron. Well, you know, you look at, you know, you look at these actors who like lose or gain like a ton of weight. I mean, you know, it's hardcore. It's it's hardcore. It's dangerous. You know? Okay, so I'll throw this theory at you. You tell me. I this is podcast material. I wouldn't do this on the radio, but let me let me throw some at you. So Matthew McConaughey, who is, I think, 
who for his life has been by definition, just a great looking guy, right? Everybody mm-hmm. thinks Matthew McConaughey is a great looking guy. So he does Dallas Buyers Club. And remember, he lost all that weight for Dallas mm-hmm. Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. I would make the case that he's never gone back to his pre-Dallas Buyers Club good lookingness. Do you agree? I agree. He's not as attractive. <laughs> it's like losing all the weight for the Oscar. I totally get that. But it, it does something to your body. His face isn't as full or something like that. But he's never gotten back to where he was, I don't think. His head is smaller. His he's head got, is smaller. He's got his, like a like a like a turtle head. His head used to be rounder and now yeah. it's it's narrower. narrower. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Well, you're yeah. crazy, but for other <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of ways. Um, all right. Uh, so I, I got a sh- another show to do. So I want to make sure we get uh, Jacob Amrani in here. Oh, of course. So, I mean, Jacob is the guy that makes this show possible. And right now there are so many Uber and Lyft accidents out there. And Uber and Lyft have got these gigantic law firms and really big, bad attorneys. And they're out to screw you over if you're involved in an Uber or a Lyft accident. So. You want the guy that's handled more Uber or Lyft accidents than anybody in the country. He's like the guy that that started Uber and, and Lyft and dealing with all the, I mean, he's that guy. Uh, plus, he's a friend of mine. Uh, when I was in an accident, I called him. Uh, if you're in an accident, he should be your attorney. He's a regular guy, but a real attorney, and he will make a real difference in your life and in your case. So remember, any kind of accident, Uber, Lyft, whatever it is, you, uh, your wife, your kid, a friend at work, whoever it is, uh, you want somebody uh, with that level of experience and that level of personal connection that you're going to get. And that is Jacob from Ronnie. So remember the number, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB, 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, I thought that that's as well as we've done in 2021. That little pause was kind of a cover of us. Yeah, it was. It really was. I thought we <laughs> nailed it. Um, so I want to thank uh, Milos uh, Jelenovic, who is uh, our regular, and I am probably mispronounced his name, Milos Jelenovic. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Milos Jelenovic, who is our uh, sound engineer, does an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, Sue, I'm going to, it's uh, early December, but we're going to, talk again right before christmas i think yes we are we are so i think like the 23rd or something so i won't wish you a merry christmas yet okay don't i will say i'll save that okay and I'll you didn't wish that. me you want to wish me a, a belated happy hanukkah oh yeah happy i'm sorry happy hanukkah yes it's okay it's eight okay. crazy nights do you, you know, celebrate I'm, do you have a menorah i do and we light it you do tom had tom, light it. tom is tom. not of the tribe is he He's not, but he was kind of tribe adjacent when I was out of town. He had to he had to light the uh, last three candles. Oh, he had to. So he solo lit the candles. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! That's how much he loves me. That's that's special. That's special. All right, uh, Sue. I will talk to you soon. Yes. Have a lovely, lovely vacation. Give my best to Juan. I will absolutely do that, and we will see everybody next time. Oh, and the uh, I, I want. Let me just stop again. If you're listening right now and you're on Apple Podcasts or you're on Spotify, hit the subscribe button. 
hit the subscribe button so you'll always get the show and you'll know when there's a new show coming out and we appreciate that leave a review leave a rating always really good okay now i'll wrap it up uh that is it for now we will see you next time on the culture pop podcast